This is the Southeast Asia Business Podcast with me, Dana Bloom. Oh yeah, flip it, flip the airplane mode. Uh, if you can't reach me, I apologize. I didn't ignore you; I was in the skies. In the skies, man, you know I got a big surprise. Ask me why, 'cause I'm trying to build an enterprise. Airplane mode on the. What's going on, everyone? Dana Blue in Southeast Asia Business Podcast here on EFM, the one and only podcast network for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. With me today, I'm talking to Naveen Cardoza. He is the executive director of Roboxa, which is a smart glass solutions company based in Singapore. Is that correct, Naveen? Yes, it is. Naveen, thank you for coming in, joining me today, and talking about what you guys do.、Uh, do me a favor. Let's just start it off. Tell me about Roboxa, the solutions you guys are actually providing. Because we were talking a little bit before the show, and you were actually—I I was kind of、uh, really surprised to learn it, it's strictly enterprise solutions for the smart glass. You guys aren't even messing with consumer stuff. So, so tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, first of all, thank you for this opportunity, and great meeting you, Dana. Same, same. Yes,、yeah, so Roboxa,、uh, we are a enterprise、uh, smart glass solution provider. So we are based or headquartered in Singapore, but mainly operating out of Malaysia、okay. because this is where our development office is, and our,、mm. all of our operations are carried out from here. Okay. So yeah, I mean enterprise smart glass solution. So what we do is we target a few industries. Some of the main ones are aerospace, MRO, healthcare, and public sectors,、mm. and we use some of the top of the line industry smart glasses in terms of a hardware perspective for example google there's vujix epson and all these guys so what we do is we build solutions on them that can really be designed and catered to specific processes and specific targeted you know、uh, functions、mm. in within these、uh, industries so for example you asked me about the solutions and and you know, Probably one of the examples I can give you is remote assistance.、Mm. Right, remote assistance is a process where currently two different individuals、uh, or group of、uh, individuals involved, where a person needs assistance when he is doing a day-to-day job or a task.、Mm-hmm. Currently, you know, it just happens through phone calls and and our video calls and all that thing, but it's very limited in terms of what can be done and achieved through that conversation. Yeah, you also have to stop what you're doing, right?、Absolutely. If you need to make a phone call and then explain what you're seeing or send a photo. Absolutely, right. So that complete thing is now replaced with a technician wearing a smart glasses. The best thing about this solution is, first of all, you're wearing a you're literally wearing a wearable computer that has all the informations you need. Everything can be predefined within their glasses,、yeah. so a technician already now equipped with a lot of information itself that he can use and do that function. And even it, if if it, that conversation or that functionality has to go through the next level, which is an assistance from a senior technician, maybe in a different location or maybe in your head office, or maybe back back in your office, right? So that that's when you know. We bring in that other aspect of the glass features of you know having the live streaming video.、Uh, there's an inbuilt camera there. There's、yeah. a, there are a lot of other features like voice recognition,、uh, super super time,、uh, superimposed digital information there. The tracking, so all that stuff, all these features come into the picture.、Right. One one of the things I really like about what you're saying, especially with the assistants, is you know like you don't have to stop and call and try to explain what you're seeing. Like say if you're a technician and you need an engineer to help you with something, they can actually look at it and be like, "Oh, okay, 
right there, left of your hand or whatever, you know, or, you know, that's what you need to be yeah, focused if, if on. If you have to in envisage that, so that scenario, right? So currently, say for example, a technician is working at, at, a, at a spot somewhere, mm. right? For example, he's looking at a aerospace or aircraft, mm. right? A, a complicated engine. Now his supervisor or, you know, his manager uh, sitting in maybe Germany or the US, yeah. right? He can exactly see what this guy is seeing on that spot, on that remote location. Yeah. So that's the beauty of, you know, kind of giving that transparency or visibility of what is happening. Mm. And then you have, uh, you know, certain abilities where, yes, the communication is enabled, which is real time. Mm -hmm. There's a live streaming there. As well as we allow these two people to share documentation, references, audit trails, right, and, and test cases and all that thing between themselves. Right in real time. Absolutely. And that enables that person to not only do his job uh, as he should do, mm. but even better and in much quicker time. Now, you said you also mentioned uh, healthcare, right? Now, I, I see healthcare as a, a huge opportunity space for uh, Google Glass and I, or, or for wearables, you know, smart glasses in general. And I remember that one of the actual first use cases I saw from Google Glass when they were still in beta was uh, two surgeons that developed a, uh, a platform to use uh, the Google Glass beta version, you know, for uh, streaming data during surgery. So is that something similar to what you guys are doing? Or are you implementing it in a different way? Something that we're definitely thinking about in, in the yeah. down the line, right? But I think what we are absolutely ready with is what I'm more comfortable talking about in mm. this interview rather than what we're thinking about yeah. is, uh, again, the remote assistance is being implemented in the healthcare as well. Okay. Right? So, for example, uh, an ambulance scenario. Right? Okay. Look at Look at Malaysia, for example, where you have so much of a traffic jam and, and you know, the process of bringing someone from an accident spot to the hospital is is quite a process. Yeah, it's delayed and it's not really the the communication between the hospital and ambulance is literally nil at the moment. Mm. Right, there is absolutely no assistance. So we literally rely or bank on the the paramedic staff that we have yeah. in the ambulance. Whereas now the smart glasses are enabling that process and taking that to a complete different level. So at the moment you are in the ambulance you're already in the good hands, the capable hands of a senior doctor in the hospital because he gets to monitor you straight away. Okay. And he gets to kind of, the, again, the glasses come in with some certain predefined checks, the reminders, prompts for that paramedic staff there. Mm -hmm. And then now having, seeing someone live, bringing him to the hospital on the way, right, that kind of gives you a pre, you know, warning of what is going to come there. Yeah, so, so they can be prepared for it when it arrives. They can be prepared and, you know, as soon as, you've seen and you know about these conditions and all that stuff, right? So you know that what to expect, mm. prepare accordingly. And e even from in terms of not only just the medicines and, and equipments, mm -hmm. even in terms of doctors, because most of the times we've got to go and find who the relevant doctor is, yeah. right? So all that thing is done. That's one thing. The second thing in the, in the healthcare is, you know, the warehousing, the yeah. medical inventory, okay. all that stuff, right? So currently it's such a complicated industry yeah. and there is absolutely no room for error in that space. Mm. So that's where we are now, you know, the, the reliance on people and you know, old school processes like papers and pen and, and the picking lists and all that stuff that is completely replaced into digitalizing the information through mm. the glasses. And we are enabling these users to kind of, you know, completely use the smart glasses for an end-to-end -end, uh, operation. So, so what's that process look like with the warehousing side of it? So you, they're actually just, they can look at it and start to catalog it right away? Yeah, correct. So, I mean, warehouse, right? The, the major three processes uh, that actually exist or everybody manages today in the warehouse is a picking process, yeah. a placing process, and a packing process. Mm -hmm. 
So I'll just give you one example on the picking sort of thing, right? So the current process is, uh, you know, your warehouse inventory has, you know, what you have, where that needs to go to, right? Where that needs to be picked from and all that stuff, right? The information is there, but the way it is communicated to the actual user or a picker, you would say, in a warehouse uh, space, is through a manual sheet, right? It's got items, it's got a rack number, it's got a bin number, yeah. and then, you know, you just give it to somebody manually, and that person then has to figure it out where it is, put it in the right place, mm -hmm. pick it from the right place, right? And then he has to manage that on that piece of paper as well. Mm -hmm. And then that goes to the supervisor to kind of do the verification, all that stuff, right? So in that exact scenario, what I just mentioned, now we're bringing in the smart glasses. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, all the information that you have in your warehouse inventory, right, that information now is digitalized. That appears on the glasses of that picker. Mm -hmm. He gets the information as to what is there, what he needs to do, step mm -hmm. by step. So he sees that through the displays, as well as he gets the voice prompts. In addition to that, we've actually implemented augmented reality in there. That means as he's walking or navigating through the warehouses with the help of the glass, he can also see uh, augmented reality being you know, used to kind of highlight a rack or a bin okay. and all that stuff. So there's absolutely you know, accuracy you know, defined in there now. Now, how much more interaction does that give the, the worker with their environment with the augmented reality? Is it just there to prompt them, or can they actually interact with some of that augmented reality tech? No, it's a good question. So it's, it's complete interaction. So the first thing comes is the communication between the glass and the, and the user. Mm -hmm. So the glass literally tells you what you need to do. Mm. When, you don't need, when you don't know yourself, you can ask the glass because the information is there within the glasses. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the augmented reality further helps that thing. There's mm -hmm. a GPS navigation as well that if... If somebody needs, we can implement that. Okay. Now, so is GPS or like, because you're talking about warehouses, is it using like a beaconing type of, uh, like a like a Bluetooth beacon to uh, to navigate internally? Yeah, or? it depends. I mean, if, if a warehouse has some sort of a technology like that already. So it depends so on the solution that's correct, in place yeah. before we you just, get there. We just look to integrate that, whatever they have, okay. in terms of what the hardware comes with, right? That yeah. Those are the features that we additionally offer to the clients, depending on who you are, what your warehouse is, what's the size of that, what sort of a navigation is required, and then, you know, accordingly we implement that. I know we've been seeing a lot of uh, stories pop up, at least from the U.S. over the past couple of weeks about uh, the Amazon warehouses. And, uh, like, all of the, uh, a lot of horror stories coming out from the employees at the Amazon warehouses, but in general, the size of them, they're so vast. Absolutely, yeah. And that, that, that is the compl complicated thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... If it's a small thing, then you know what is there, where it is, and what needs to be done with it. Yeah. Right? It's the size that actually creates that complexity. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have more users to play with it. And then there's absolutely no transparency. There, there are inaccuracies and everything that needs to be done. There's confusion, right? Mm. So what the glasses do is they, A, they completely replace the current manual processes. B, they assist the people and enable them to do their jobs even more accurately and efficiently. And see that, that they, the glasses even give that transparency to the senior management now. Because everything that anybody is doing in that vicinity is now going to the senior management real time. So now you're able to you know, make sure there's a proper uh, governance in, in, enforced, right? You have that, that reports coming to you as and when you need it. But that kind of gives you a complete control over the process as well. Yeah. Now, what does the, the back end look like for you guys? Because how do you process all the data that you pick up from the workers, the pickers, and all the packers, all those people, and put it into the report form for the managers? So are you scanning things like individually in the warehouse and then kind of 
correlating all that to a report later on or is it are you kind of analyzing data at the end of a shift type of thing yeah i think it, it really depends on you know what are somebody's requirements what are their current scope so it's how based their warehouse design customer to customer yeah. so we go to a customer we understand their warehouse right what is their process what are their requirements what are like you know some of their uh, uh, you know things out there and then according to that we build it so for example we don't just give you a solution that we have in our racks and we just say okay take it and go right so we build it according to your needs and your requirements mm -hmm. and that's where you know exactly what you said as to how you do it comes into play right we do it exactly how you need it to be done so that's going to be quite a bit of work though if you have to base oak every single customer is a unique solution right yeah it is i mean that's that's where we are dedicating that time and resources to give you exactly what you need as opposed to you know just just having a solution for the heck of it that might work for you for 50 60% mm. but not for the rest of it right i mean there's no point in giving you a solution that that doesn't actually create that efficiency across all of your processes. For sure, and I 100% agree. I think the challenge becomes as a business, how do you then scale to a, to a much larger customer base if well, you I mean, have, the more complex, have such a high hutch, touch point? Yeah, the more complex your processes are and the more more you ask for, I mean, you pay more as well. No, yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, like, you guys must have to grow, like, tremendously manpower wise if you're going to start to service a lot more customers as far as that's what i mean by scale obviously you know if you need a much more complex solution as, as a customer you're gonna to have to pay more for that but how do you service more do you have to just keep scaling up manpower wise to continue to add new customers to your i agree with that i think we we do that but like i said i mean uh, so far we're pretty comfortable with the solutions we've built because when we have initially come up with these solutions there has been a lot of research that has gone in yeah so we've kind of built something that actually works and applicable across like majority of them so that way we don't really have to turn and tweak it too much. Okay. So that way we are pretty consistent and happy with what we can offer because we know what those problems and business challenges are with the clients. And we're pretty comfortable that we don't have to really change it too much. So you already kind of built a knowledge database that allows you to sort of adjust a little bit more easy from customer to customer. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, the one step ahead we've gone there is we have actually sourced people from these expert uh, industries, right? The, the the people that we have who are actually working and contributing to these sort of solutions are the people who are coming from different industries with that domain knowledge or expertise. So they're the subject matter experts already. So they're coming in helping you develop that baseline solution that you then sort of customize for each client. Very interesting. So what do you guys see as your sort of next industry targets? Because I know you said medical, aviation, public sector. Where, where do you think the biggest growth is outside those three or the biggest potential outside those three? Uh, honestly speaking, these are pretty much the top industries in okay. the world today, right? And there's there's a lot more to do within these industries. So you're not I even looking outside that correct, right now? Yeah. So, I mean, we think that we've we've covered all the key industries at the moment. Uh, but that said, there's, there's plenty of room for expanding uh, and building new and new solutions within these industries. Because uh, what we want to do and why I say that is because we don't want to reinvent the wheel every now and then. Rather, we leverage on the, the contacts and the, and the skill set that we've built. For example, we're working with aerospace companies, right? We have a few solutions for them. We feel that building another solution for the same customers 
would be much easier for us rather than building something for somebody entirely different and, and then seek the new entry from there. Yeah, that would be starting new, from scratch. Yeah, try to develop new contacts, put more customers Correct. into your supply so chain. So we're just leveraging the existing business relationships and then you know, try and give them more and more solutions so we don't have to start from scratch. Yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense and also kind of positions you well as to be the leader in a, in a specific niche, right? Yeah, so if someone else wants to enter aerospace or medical down the road, it's much more difficult for them. So with aerospace, is everything that you guys are doing on the, the technician side, kind of like the maintenance side, or are you also working like in the cockpit, like with the pilots or office side? Yeah, some of the solutions. For example, we have something called a task management. Yep. Right? It, this is basically uh, helps in any sort of a routine checks yeah. or any sort of you know, uh, control methodologies or processes that you have. A simple example is you know, when, when a flight is landed, uh, that flight, that aircraft has to go through a lot of level of checks. Yeah. Uh, it could be predefined or it could be something spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we, our glasses, uh, they enable these people, the technicians or engineers, to kind of these uh, perform these tasks now through the glasses. Because again, like I said, where the information is predefined, that, that sets you... Now, what needs to be done that tells you what needs to be done and that kind of records the evidences and everything where that replaces a complete uh, manual task list that yeah, like we have today. clipboard with a piece of paper Absolutely. and a pencil. Correct. Because the engineer today is just like he has a pen and a paper yeah. and then he just ticks as and when he completes a task yeah. and as and when he sees that task now it, it basically is, is something that he's checked mm. purely based on his presence there and his knowledge yeah. and then he then passes on something to a pilot or someone to sign it off yeah. right? it, it still is a manual process I'm not saying it's wrong that's the way it works and it works beautifully for them but what we are trying to do is just give a little bit of a hinge of you know uh, a technology in that yeah. a digitalization in that and if that helps increase the efficiencies and accuracies well that's and accountability absolutely exactly actually i flew into uh, malaysia yesterday and uh I, I remember looking out the window as we were pulling into the uh the gate or whatever it is where they they docked the plane and uh, the guy was walking around with his checkboard is a uh, clipboard and checking things off as he walked around and kind of i i spot things out but I, I think back to a, a video I saw from Boeing, I believe it was, when they, that, that huge monstrous jet they, they built a couple of years back, uh, when they were doing the first test flights and the, uh, the pilots actually had like an augmented reality glasses on. I, I don't know what was in the, uh, the heads up display for that, if it was just basic data or anything, but it seems that aviation has been very quick to sort of embrace that type of uh, technology in different spots. Absolutely. I think that's, that's one of the reasons why we've targeted that first as well when we came up with this, right? Because we've seen uh, what are the complexities in there, the opportunities in there, even the investments, right? They feel that it is very relevant and needed as opposed to some of the other industries where they think a lot more due diligence needs to be done before that sort of an investment. Here it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a million dollar investment, right? So everything that is new and value adding and more efficient, it's, it's going to save you tons of billions of dollars. One of the things I really thought when I saw that video the, the, um, the, is Airbus, not Boeing, I think, maybe. One of the two, but they were when they were coming in for the landing, you get a, a shot from behind the pilots of what the actual cockpit looks like. And there's so much information. Like, it's huge, right? And all these buttons and gauges and, and readouts. And all I thought was, how do they remember where to look, right? It's, it's so massive. So when they have the heads-up display on them, they must just simplify, like, whatever they need at that moment. And make it... 
know, one, if you think about something too, like a pilot, you know, most of the time you like to think that it's, it's a pretty calm, easy job, but when you do have to make a split second decision, having the right information at your fingertips is important. And the same thing with a, with a technician, I would think that when you're working on an engine, having the information available to you right away is going to be key. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just because of, because of the nature of that industry is, yeah. uh, the complexities of the tasks, right? Every, each and every task in there that needs to have a certain level of uh, precision, yeah. right? Critical. It, absolutely, right? And you can't play with it. So at the moment, we, we somehow feel that it's heavily reliant on the expertise, the knowledge, mm -hmm. and you know, certain SMEs operating it. But I think slowly that's where the, the technology, the digitalization and uh, all these augmented reality and all these things are coming in to kind of further enhance their experience mm -hmm. and kind of add in more you know, accuracy and efficiency flavors to it. Yeah. Now, I know that you know, augmented reality was kind of like a buzzword a few years ago, but I, I never felt like it really took off. And over the past maybe like 18 months, I've really felt like it, it sort of started to grab on and get some hooks into real tech. Like real use cases, not yeah. just like fun stuff. And have you, has that kind of been the time frame that you've seen? Like the past 18 months has been the real adoption of it? Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've seen that. I mean, exactly to your point earlier and, and, and to your sentiments there as well. I mean, that was our feedback as well, right? Yeah. It, was, it was kind of oversold a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, people took it to a different level as well. But when it came to our solutions, we've been very careful in implementing augmented reality in only in places where it is needed. Mm. So I think where it is going wrong is it's been overused in, in many places. Quite a bit, yeah. And then people think that maybe it's not needed at all, mm. right? So what we've done is we got like certain, uh, certain elements of, of that being used mm. in our technology, in our solution, but it's definitely not overused. Hence, we've not made it complicated for both ourselves as mm. well as our customers. I, I think that's key, right? That usability by the end user because if it is complicated or if it seems daunting, then they're, they're not going to use it. They're going to find a way to circumvent it. Uh, I've seen that a lot with tech companies, especially in the service spaces where maybe they don't pay as much attention to UI, UX and simplicity as they should. And then next thing you know, they, they have all these problems like, oh, we don't know why the customers keep you know, turning this feature off or the customer doesn't want to engage with this. And, you know, the, as a new technology, as AR is as well, and I think sometimes when you're working in warehouses or with technicians, they might not be on the cutting edge of understanding with tech. And so it's a big challenge there, too. Absolutely. It is a big challenge. And that's where I think, you know, uh, technology providers like us have to be smart in terms of, you know, what are we giving and why are we giving it? And is it really necessary? I think those are the decisions that, those are the, those are the decisions, yes, that will make us, you know, or help us to do the right thing and that way even the customers will kind of you know accept or disagree with our decisions there how do you balance you know putting in a feature or implementing a feature something like ar with the absolute you know minimal amount of user disruption right so you, you want to give them the most benefit, but you also want it to be easy for them to use. How do you balance that? It really depends on uh, our experience with their actual users, mm -hmm. right? We, we, like I said, we do a little bit of research on the company where we're working with. 
we work with them in their vicinity to understand their processes, the business requirements, mm. uh, the currently available tools and all that stuff, right? So depending on that, we then implement our technology. Mm. So our, our technology and our solution has two ways of implementing it. One is, you know, just give them what they need mm -hmm. or just oversell it, right? But we know if we oversell it, the customer is going to never come back to us. Yeah, they'll be right? unhappy forever. Absolutely. So yeah. what we do is, we just give them what they need because, mm. for example, a warehouse, right? A warehouse that's about, like, say, 10,000 square feet and they have an extremely old, old school process and they have handled devices and all, all that stuff, right? You can't just replace all of that with complete augmented reality because even the users need to adapt, yeah. right? And that change is going to be way too difficult for a client to manage. As opposed to that, we now, we are replacing the handled devices and their current manual process with the smart glass. So we're not giving them too much of, you know, the navigation uh, experiences, the augmented reality experiences. Not Rather, yet. we're just giving them the efficiencies that they need. But then there are warehouses who are like, they've gone to a very different level, right? They are now looking at what's next. And then we are more than happy to kind of talk to them about augmented reality and how they can use it because they, right, they have the space for it. They have the appetite for it and they have the right level of engagement for it. So it really depends on you know, we understanding a customer, their requirements, and just giving them what they need as opposed to what we have. Is that rate of adoption different across every customer, even within the same industry? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, it is different. And, and I think these sort of solutions, they just don't go by you know, you reading a material about it or you, know, you just knowing it through word of mouth or something. This, is, this sort of a technology is only when they have seen it themselves being utilized being run in their vicinity and their users saying okay we like we like it right and it's actually useful for us so that's where the the real change comes in and that 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 obviously is a challenge for us for everyone then, right for, yeah right but then you got to overcome it to really do this and implement it for them now, a lot of that must have to do with the culture of your customer as well as your solution i would imagine and I was a uh, engineer in a telecom in the U.S. for a long time, and you know I remember every time something new would roll out, whether it was a new software tool or a new feature, there was pushback from essentially everyone in in the workforce. Like, oh, they're trying to track us, or this is just so they can fire more people, or or they can downsize, or whatever. There's always this fear of something new. Well, I don't I don't blame them, right? Because I think no, I mean people say change is good, but not necessarily every change is good because I, people also fear change. Absolutely, a change that is implemented well is definitely good, but a change that is not implemented well and not planned well and not executed well then well that, i think that those last be. two are key right uh, planned and executed absolutely yeah so. uh, i guess do you guys play a big role in that execution and planning with the customer yeah so because our, our engagement model is such that it kind of works with the client from understanding the product kind of you know testing it and then you know just working with them until the in implementation of it even Helping the integration them the workforce yeah, absolutely even the integration aspect uh, and you know just like you said the education the training it all comes with like different departments that are that exist within the reboxer so we are a team that's not just giving a technology solution and we're saying just buy it from us and we'll make money out of it it's it's a, it's a business institution that basically says well we have this this is how you can use it, right? And then we work with them in, in multiple engagement steps 
and then until they're satisfied and they implement it and they see the, the benefits of it, that is where we feel that you know we've actually closed the case. Nice. Yeah. So it's that whole relationship. Absolutely. Start to finish, and then and, and it does further. it does matter to us because yeah. I think in these sort of uh, businesses, right? I think the relationship is key, especially when you're only focused on three industries. Absolutely. Right. Those relationships have to last. You know, and if you're like you said, if you're just overselling and going in and trying to make a one-time deal. That's not a relationship business. Correct. It's not good for our long-term plan as well because a company like Roboxo, we are definitely thinking about long run. We have a plan for every year, mm-hmm. right? And we have, uh, in that plan, we have new products coming in and we know that we're going to be targeting these people again, yeah. right? So to be blunt, well, I don't want to actually do something with you and cut off and run away from it. No, I need you because I'm going to come, in, I'm going to come back. And if I'm having that sort of a thinking, then, well, I, I do whatever I'm doing with you the first time absolutely rightly and something that you needed so you remember me and next time i contact you you're going to welcome me or you know open-handed yeah you start the relationship right it's going to last right awesome well naveen i want to thank you for uh, taking the time to come here talk to me today thank you You it was was a pleasure do do uh, me a favor before we go just let listeners know where they can find out more information about roboxa and your solutions if they want to find out more yeah, so we've we got a website, like every other company has it. So ours is roboxatech.com. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if you just put in Google uh, Roboxa, I think you'll get all the information you need. And then, uh, you know, we have, we are, we are there for any, any of your questions or queries and anything. Awesome, guys. I'll put all that links down in the show notes so you can check that out. If you're interested in enterprise solutions from a, a wearable smart glass perspective, definitely check them out. And until next time, stay on that grind. You're listening to the Southeast Asia Business Podcast with me, Dana Blue. Oh yeah, flip the, flip the airplane mode. Uh, if you can't reach me, I apologize. I didn't ignore you, I was in disguise. In disguise, man, you know I got a big surprise. Ask me why, cause I'm trying to build an enterprise. Airplane mode.